Blessed be your name. Thank you. Because deep indeed is calling into deep. Yes, we have come to the river. Yes, we have come to the river, Lord. Fill us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. The Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. If you believe it, give me an amen. Amen. All right, quickly, let's um, take the declaration of the glory of the Lord. Then we'll take our confession for understanding. Then we'll begin to teach. Psalm number two. Again, let me remind us, um, it's a habit we should all have. Words are very important. It's one of the assignments that God has given us in this life, to release words into our environment. Let's never forget it. Satan is often trying, in fact, it's what he does all the time, trying to steal our tongues, steal our words, steal our power. That's what he does. We use our words for things that are wrong. We, use our, we say things that we are not supposed to say. Again, remember, at the start of your day, we're telling everybody who's Lord. Who's everybody? Anybody who's going to pass through this universe that they should hear from your mouth. Do you understand that? All right, Psalm number two. We're starting from, of course, we're in the whole Psalm. All right, one, two, let's go. Why are the nations in an opera and the peoples devising a vain thing? The kings of the earth take their stand and the rulers take counsel against them against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us tear their fetters apart and cast away their cause from us. He who sits in the heavens laughs. The Lord scoffs at them. Then he will speak to them in his anger and terrify them in his fury, saying, As for me, I have installed my king upon Zion, my holy mountain. Seven, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance, and the very ends of the earth as your possession. You shall break them with the rod of iron. You shall shatter them like earthenware. Now, therefore, O kings, show discernment. Take warning, O judges of the earth. Worship the Lord with reverence, and rejoice with trembling. Do homage to the Son, that he not become angry and you perish in the way, for his wrath may soon be kindled. How blessed are all who take refuge in him. Amen. 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 Thus we have declared the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. This morning again we declare he is King of Kings. Amen. We say he is Lord of Lords. Amen. We say he is a governor amongst the nations. Amen. We say he is the Lamb of God Amen. that was sacrificed for our sins, Amen. through whom we have reconciliation with the Father. We say he is the one that rose again from the dead as a sign that we have been justified. And we say he is the one that ascended to heaven. We say he is the one that ascended to heaven, seated on the right hand of the Father. From there, he is going to return one day. And everyone will stand before him in judgment. He is a God-appointed judge of the living and the dead. In the name of Jesus Christ. He is our King. He is our Lord. He is the one we live for. Now Paul said, one died for all, so that those who live will no longer live for themselves, but for him who died and rose again on their behalf. So we say again this morning, Jesus will live for you. And take a minute and just tell him that by yourself. My waking is for you. My sleeping is for you. To live is Christ. That's what Paul said. My whole life is for you. Jesus, I give you my life again. I give you my life again.
Thank you. Hallelujah. And as we go into this teaching this morning, from him we receive understanding. We have the Holy Spirit with us, which he gave, the gift of the Father that Jesus sent after he ascended. And he will lead us into all truth. Therefore, we declare as follows. One, two, let's go. And the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. 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 All right, the Lord is good. Let's take our seats. Okay, let's start from um, Luke chapter 19 again. The book of Luke chapter 19, verse 11. While they were listening to these things, Jesus went on to tell a parable. Because he was near Jerusalem, and they supposed that the kingdom of God was going to appear immediately. So he said, a nobleman went to a distant country to receive a kingdom for himself and then return. And he called ten of his slaves and gave them ten minas and said to them, do business with this until I come. Then in verse 14, we read that his citizens hated him and sent a delegation after him saying, we do not want this man to reign over us. When he returned after receiving the kingdom, he ordered that these slaves to whom he had given the money be called to him so that he might know what business they had done. The first appeared saying, Master, your mina has made ten minas more. And he said to him, Well done, good slave. Because you have been faithful in a very little thing, you are to be in authority over ten cities. The second came saying, Your mina, Master, has made ten mina, uh, five minas. And he said to him, also, and you are to be over five cities. Another came saying, Master, here is your mina, which I kept put away in a handkerchief. For I was afraid of you, because you are an exacting man. You take up what you did not lay down and reap what you did not sow. And he said to him, By your own words, I will judge you, you worthless slave. They did not know that I am an exacting man, taking up what I did not lay down and reaping what I did not sow. Then why did you not put my money in the bank? And having come, I would have collected it with interest. Then he said to the bystanders, Take the mina away from him and give to the one who has ten minas. And they said to him, Master, he has ten minas already. I tell you that to everyone who has, more shall be given. But from the one who does not have, even what he does have shall be taken away. But these enemies of mine who did not want me to reign over them, bring them here and slay them in my presence. Praise the Lord. All right. Now, um, we have been looking at uh, the subject of um, fulfilling the... How did I caption it again? Yeah, okay. Running this race that is set before you. Yes. And that's what we are going to continue to look at. Last time I said something. Let me just review that briefly. I gave us three points which you must be careful concerning if you want to fulfill the plan of God for your life. Now remember, 
you are going to be judged. Now, let me go over that again. You are going to be judged one day concerning whether you fulfill the plan of God for your life or not. You are going to face the judgment seat of Christ. You know why I'm saying this again is that Christians don't seem to bear it in mind. They behave as if they can live any way they like and nothing will happen. One of the things I'm learning these days to teach believers is that something will happen. I hope you are getting my point. You are accountable for your decisions. You are accountable for your words. You will give account one day. Not that you are just accountable. One day, it will be required. You will be put on the stand. You will be judged for all these things. Wrong thoughts that you harbor, one day, you will be judged for them. Wrong words, one day, you will be judged for them. Good or bad, not just wrong words. Actions that you take, decisions you make every day, one day you will give account. Now, God does not really, okay? Now, please get what I want to say. He's not concerned about the result as much as he is concerned about your own actions. I hope you're getting my point. Let me give an example. People used to say something like, um, when you are going to heaven, you take souls, the souls you want with Jesus Christ. I know if you've heard me long enough, I say that thing doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. One of the most effective soul winners in the Bible was the most reluctant, Jonah. He didn't even want to go. Yet he read the journal and said that that was the most anointed prophet. He didn't even want to go. So Paul said it like this. I plant. Apollos waters. God gives the increase. Each one is given his reward according to his labor. Not according to the increase. Mark those words carefully when he was writing to the Corinthians. Each one gets his reward, how? According to his labor, not according to the result. That is why you can't take any soul to heaven. You can't, because you didn't win the soul. So if you preach and preach like Jeremiah, nobody believes you. As long as you did what you were supposed to do. Please, I hope you are getting my point. The fact that he did not believe, it's not your fault. And sometimes you did not even preach, yet they believed. And who will not give you credit for that? You are just going on your own. No? You are talking to somebody, somebody is overhead, and he believed. Oh, okay. Let's talk about what is supposed to preach on radio. <laughs> I don't know whether you are getting my point. So if, if, if thousands of people believe because I preach on radio, that means I have more souls to carry to heaven when I'm going than you. It doesn't work like that. That was technologically enhanced. Thank you. <laughs> But most importantly, it was the work of the Holy Spirit. It's not my work. It's not anybody's work. It's not the radio station's work. What I'm judged for is that, like I was discussing with some of our guys yesterday. They go, say, listen, I told you, write, let's say, 20 books as an example. I'm not saying my own is 20 because I've done more than 20 already. So just as an example. And then because I'm busy here and there, I write five. And then one day God gets tired because, you see, he actually gets tired. Not physically exhausted, but the patience wears out. Don't assume that God has eternal patience. He doesn't. (laughs) It's one mistake people make. He doesn't have eternal patience. One day, his patience runs out in people's lives. There are two conditions that determine the running out of his patience. One, the exhaustion of chronos time. You know, when you talk about time, it's in two, category, two 
um, types or two. You can look at time as in day, year, hour, minute, seconds, you know, stuff like that. That's your counting time as light travels, okay? Then you also look at time as seasons. So the Greek man will call that one karios or kairos. So seasons is that, now that's the second we go count. Time is that, look, by the time you are 40, this thing must be done. Now, not for 40 years in age for everybody. He knows where he started counting from. I hope you're getting my point. So, yeah, it gives you a certain number of years. That is one. Secondly, his patience also is tied to the number of corrections and opportunities. So, within that period, he says, I'm going to give you 10 opportunities to amend your ways, to correct yourself, to start doing things the right way. Believe me, once you cross the tent, that's the end. So, if you, you overlap these two things when you are thinking about his patience, don't assume that mm, anytime. No. You see, that's what people don't understand. When they say today is the day of salvation, it's not a joke. When they, you know, we used to say, they say tomorrow may be too late. It's not a joke. It, tomorrow may literally be too late. You know, Christians, I see it. And that is the danger in this funny gospel of grace that some people preach. The gospel is not balanced. Go and read your scriptures. Nobody preached grace like Paul did. If I is the master of grace, I hope you get my point. He's the one that's always talking about grace, 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 grace. Greeting, grace. By this grace, here you stand. By the grace of God, I am what I am. You are saved by grace. Through faith. Not of yourself. This gift of God. Lest any man should boast. Everything about Paul is grace. But go and read all his teachings. They are generally divided, generally, in half. Like the book of Ephesians. You see the doctrines at the beginning. Then when he gets to a particular point, I think around chapter 4, let me just confirm where he switches. He now leaves those fundamental doctrines and then begins to give you the practical application. From that Ephesians, from the beginning, we're telling you that uh, you know, plenty greeting, plenty blessing. You were dead in your trespasses. You are now you have been made alive. You were formerly Gentiles by and called on circumcision by the so-called circumcision. But now you are now in Christ. He himself is our peace. He has broken down the dividing wall. He keeps talking. For this reason, I, uh, Paul, the prisoner of Christ Jesus, for your sake, if indeed you know you have heard of my stewardship, he said, but no, he, he keeps on telling you about the mysteries of God. He talks about that mystery. Then finally, he gets to a point. From chapter 4, verse 17. Now, don't bother opening to it. He now gets practical. So I say, and affirm together with the Lord, that you walk no longer as the Gentiles walk. He has said a lot of things. Theory, you've been delivered. You have been forgiven. You are saved by grace. After everything, middle of chapter 4, in verse 17. He said, hey, Having said all of that, you have no reason anymore to walk the way Gentiles walk. So those who preach grace, I don't know why they don't emphasize that. They would rather emphasize to me, I've heard it again and again, that even if you walk the way Gentiles walk, don't worry about it. Yes, they say it, no, almost in those words. So one of them said, one of these teachers that John called Jesus the Lamb of the tribe of Judah. He said he didn't know what he was saying. 
said John didn't look well. I heard him say it. He said, the fact that you are in the spirit doesn't mean you are seen properly. Those were his words. That Jesus cannot be a lion. He's a lamb. What was he implying? He didn't say this. I'm the one that wants to say this. That was what he was implying. It doesn't hurt people. It doesn't hurt people. It's lions that hurt people. He's a lamb. Always gentle and tender. Always soft. That's what he is. And that's and Safira and Ko, they were not born again. It was the devil that took them. You start hearing funny things like that. If you really are preaching grace, people of God, <laughs> you will preach the way Paul preached it. What does it mean by grace? Grace is empowerment. So grace describes to you what God has done for you so that despite the temptations and the sin in the world, you can walk above it. You can walk above the world. He says, look, you were Gentiles. They were, look, leave those people. They are in bondage to sin. But not you. Come on, you are not in bondage to sin. You have believed. Jesus has delivered you. Satan has no hold on you anymore. Therefore, do not walk the way the Gentiles walk. They brought a woman to Jesus. Caught in the, the very act. What does that tell you? There's a man there. There was a man there. Now, sometimes people make a joke about that, but me, there's a reason why I say it. There's a reason why I say that. How come they did not drag the man there? Let's make a long story short. Okay? Okay, I will explain the reason why in a moment. But this is where I'm going. You know the story well. Jesus did not condemn her. He didn't say anything initially. When they kept on harassing him, he said, okay, any one of you without sin, cast the first stone. Now, that was not a new thing. He was quoting Moses for them. Moses requires something when you want to pass some judgments. For example, the, first, the witness must cast the first stone. So you are the one that said you saw it. Okay, throw the first stone. Moses gave that instruction. It wasn't a, Jesus didn't come up with it. It was something Moses told them already. But Jesus now says something also. That you had to be, you had to not be an adulterer. Now, people look at it without sin. If you are perfect, that's not true. Because that would have been against what Paul, what he told Moses to do. He wasn't saying that everybody had to be without. He said, but the sin you want to polish somebody off, you can't be something you are doing. You, you are in EFCs, you are arresting people, you are collecting bread. Even if government does not catch you, listen to me, listen to me, people of God, God will punish you. Did you hear what I said? Now, listen. No, we have many things to say. The judgment of God is real. If you're a policeman, you've been commanded to arrest criminals. God says you must not commit a crime. If you do, he will personally punish you. See, it's not every job you take in this life. Any job you take, just know the conditions, the, the problems. For example, now, when they say, okay, we are looking for teachers. Who are those who are going to teach? James said, excuse yourself. I'm very sorry I'm going to look for teachers here. I'm not joking. I've already found two or three. Look at Jonathan there. I have found him. I've laid my holy hand on <laughs> Yes, we are going to find teachers. For our... Anyway, I will talk about that later. But James said, generally don't volunteer easily for such jobs. He said, because once you enter it, 
they move you from the scale of those who they forgive easily to those they forgive with difficulty. Yes. So they move you. In heaven, not me. <laughs> we don't have a council of forgivers. or <laughs> No, we don't. In heaven, God just moves you. Okay, okay. Jonathan, Jonathan, all right. Um, we used to overlook his iniquity before. He said, we can't anymore. Put him on this side. So anything does wrong now, double judgment. Say, sir, why? Say, hey, hey. When you do wrong in your house, it's only you. When you say it from the pulpit, I punish you for your own wrong and for those who began to do it because of you. Oh, yes. When I say preachers, I say you don't see. I will say many things. Today, just when you get home, get all my, everything I said today, try and arrange it properly because right now, I don't even know where I am. So let's see what the Holy Spirit will do for us, okay? Mm-hmm. So don't even be saying, Pastor, what are you saying? I don't know too. So let's just, there's no other to what I want to say. I'll just be saying it as it comes to my mouth. Alright? <laughs> Listen. I feel sorry for a lot of preachers. God will literally punish them. They keep on lying to themselves that he doesn't. But it's not true. He does. He doesn't like doing it. But he does. Once he told one prophet, says the other prophet, your senior prophet. He says, leading the body of Christ astray. So I'm going to remove him. So they had a drunken driver kill him. I hear all kinds of doctrines that, you know, he removed himself from under the cover. He didn't remove himself from under the cover anything. God told the driver, you, get drunk. He drank. He said, drive that way. If you read the Bible, that's what God does. He gave the commandment, gave the instructions. You have to understand, precious in the eyes of the Lord. So he said, hey, you, kill that man for me. And a drunk driver ran into his vehicle. Bam! Broke his bones very well, and he died. It wasn't shocking for those who know because years before, God gave the date that this man would not live to the end of this particular year. He gave him the, the year. And the following year, you come, you, it's gone. So he died in December. And why? Because he's leading the body of Christ astray. Sometimes I look at what preachers are doing, I say, <laughs> you know that you guys don't read, Abby. So let me tell you the truth. Eh? The way I preach, the way God taught me, See, you know, Jesus said something. He said, you see those Pharisees? They sit in the seat of Moses. So he told his disciples, do as they say, not as they do. Let me tell you the truth. Do as I say, not as I do. See, Pastor Mark, what do you mean? Listen, it is my duty to try and do as I say to. I, I hope you are getting my point. It is my own duty now, let me explain what I'm saying. Some of them are saying, some of these preachers are hypocrites. Leave that thing. Say, what he's preaching, is the word of God? Leave the hypocrisy in his life. One, of, one prominent preacher died some time ago, and the world tried to show us that his life was not totally straight. And I stood here and want Christians not to propagate that nonsense. Simple law tells us you can't even do anything. The man is not here to defend himself. How do you judge a man when he can't defend himself? But people should look at what Satan is trying to do. Because this guy, he moved, uh, his messages will inspire you. You can't hear him and not fear God. They want to show that, hey, look at what he was doing behind. I said, what do you me? What he said, is it the word of God? Yes. Jesus said, do as he said. This one you want to prove to me he did. I don't care. We are launching our radio station, internet radio, all right? 
so everybody can listen to it anyway. Over the, in the next few weeks, his messages will be there, plenty. I don't care what you have to tell me. Say, ah, come, come, pastor, you don't know. That man, do you know he did like this? I will tell you, do you know he said like this? Is the one he said that matters to me because it's the word of God. If he was not diligent enough to obey all the things he said, too bad. We will pray for him. If he was around, we will still pray for him. But he's going to rest. That's between him and his God. Now, this is where I'm going. Why did I say all of this? When I'm preaching here, I'm careful. Don't think I... I <laughs> it's not what I... Don't say that what you have practiced is what you preach. My own is not like that. No, I don't do like that. I preach what I know is true. I won't wait. Because if I only preach what I practice... Then you can never, if you are one of, those who, one of those who listen to me carefully and follow me well, you never go beyond my level in life. Spiritually. And then God will not judge me for your retardation. What kind of nonsense is that? If I'm angry with everybody and I'm bitter, I will still come and say forgive. Then I'll go home and refuse to forgive. But at least you that listen to me, you will forgive. You will be blessed. God will increase you. God will bless you. Then you will be dealing with me the way he likes you know what? See, this person, every time he crosses the road, he must just jam. Why? Let's pray for him. Then the prophet amongst you, God will now say, See that, my guy, you know, anytime he crosses the road, he must jam. No, last week, he jammed rock. The other week, he jammed pole. The other day, he entered entire, inside canal. His car finished. Only him in one month. These people should know something is wrong. When I tell the prophets, he's not obeying his own words. And he will tell the same, continue to follow him. But Phyllis, for all this, don't, don't worry, just watch. You will not jam like him if you obey what he said. He is not obeying what he said. One prophet went to one church. These are names if I mentioned you know, but let me not mention now. He said, gather men around. He said, see that man up there? He said, the man you have seen standing up there preaching, follow him. He said, that's the anointing of God. He's anointed. That's the word. He said, but once he comes down, run away from him. Don't follow the way he behaves. Don't follow the things he does. He said, but once he mounts the pulpit, sit down and listen to everything he's saying. God has helped me. I listened to some prophets teach. A number of prophets I've listened to. In fact, you know, as I began to grow, I, now understand, I began to understand. When I was much younger, I felt it was more important to be a teacher than to be a prophet. I felt teachers were more important. But as I grew older, I now understood why God listed apostles first, prophets next. I now understood what, because this is the reason. The word of God is very, very vast. It's wide. So what teachers do generally is that they just keep teaching. They can come here and teach you about life on Mars. You see what I said? The planet Mars. They give you the spiritual principles that operate on Mars. But Jesus is saying that, but they are on earth. <laughs> I don't know whether you get to my point. Yeah, so I'm just giving, that's just to illustrate something. But prophets don't do that. Of the multitude of information out there, they narrow on the one that is relevant to your work with God today. They, they narrow on it. The man may be teaching, but he's always narrowing on what says the Lord to you at this moment. He tells about how you are behaving in your house. There's that you wake up at 8 o'clock, instead of you to be praying, you went to go and smoke at the back of the compound. 
No, the rest of us don't know. <laughs> but the prophet will hammer on that. Bam. So that's why a lot of prophets I listen to, somebody like Kenneth Hagin, such a tremendous blessing to my life. So I walk, God helping me, circumspectly. I'm, this, I'm, I'm careful because I know, have come to learn that this Jesus we are dealing with is not as gentle as people assume. My wife told me something the other day. <laughs> she said that she did something in the house, you know, and I was not happy about it. That do I know she couldn't go out. She couldn't drive. See, she was trembling. That is, you know what they call it? Litra trembling. That her whole body was shaking. She had the place to go say, no, I can't drive until my husband comes back. I need to talk to him. I need to apologize. I need to ask his forgiveness. But if I enter that motto, I don't know where to get to. <laughs> now, people say, ah, you're walking in sin. Better walk in the fear of God. That is what will preserve your life. People think that um, you can just do it. No, you can't just do any how you like. If you do any how you like, you will see any, you will see any how he likes. I'm telling you the truth. You can't be committing sin in a corner. He will find. He will find you out and disgrace you. The funny part is that the thing you use to disgrace you may not even be the one you are doing. You think it's only criminals that are in jail? See, by law, everybody is a criminal. If you check the laws of Nigeria, there's one law you have broken. Since you came this morning, you have broken one. Now that's how it's definition. That is why politicians in America, it's easy to retire them. Once they want to, somebody will just dig up things. You see people are going for Senate who employed immigrants that do not have, and it's a crime. So why do you have an immigrant without work permit clearing your compound? And do you know to you, it's like, ah, you're being a nice neighbor. I mean, Carlos came the other day from Mexico, or trekked all the way from Guatemala. He has no job. So he said he should be clearing the compound. And at the end of the week, you give him $100 or something. You're being nice. So now Carlos can eat. Carlos can, with his friends, manage one place. If Americans grab you, you are going to prison. Why? Carlos is an illegal immigrant. He's working for money. Now, I'm going to explain something here. So laws, eh, we break them every day. So when God wants to discipline you, he knows where to catch you. You've broken, there are so many sins that you have done by law of your country. So when God wants to disgrace some people, but there, there are things that I've seen happen to people. I say, no, this is not the sin they committed. Even though it's a sin, no. But I say, but this is not what God is judging. Disgrace will come upon them. I said, I just look, I said, this is not what God is judging. This one is not. Sometimes he's judging unforgiveness. Sometimes it's judging the fact that you don't rightfully descend the body of Christ. And sometimes I look at preachers these days. <laughs> I honestly, I feel sorry for them. It's about this political season. If you're a preacher, be careful. I'm going to release my own teaching um, over the next few days. Please don't you get it circulated, okay? I, I, it's, it's titled um, something like, let us agree, or please can we agree? It's something about agreement. That's why I say to you all the time, you cannot tell who I'm voting for from this pulpit. You can't. For years, people will hear me, they're going to conclude I voted for somebody else. For me, Paul said, I did not shy away from giving you what? The whole counsel of God. That's it. I just tell you what God said then. And 
I don't care whether you think I'm talking about you. It's your problem. Is it me, Pastor, using to preach? It's between you and the Holy Spirit. If you think I'm using you to preach, you must be feeling very important. Are you the listener in the world? <laughs> there are many other people committing sin every day. So if I'm talking about your own sin now, I'm feeling like a pastor is not using me to preach. And if I use it to preach, I'll be happy. Be happy. See how he used me to preach. Oh, well, the Lord knows me. <laughs> the Lord is good. Now what am I saying with all of this in stick? Christians, eh? Please, don't believe that gospel of grace that makes it look like God doesn't get angry. He does. He does. There's what is called a sin unto death. The sin unto death means that he has corrected you. Especially again and again. And you are still going in your, on your way. In your own path. In your own direction. He will come and he will deal so harshly with you. You know, <laughs> if you read David. Go and read that Psalm, um, I think it's 118. He said, the Lord has disciplined me severely. That's what David said. He said, but he has not given me over to death. You know what that means? I wanted to die in ugly. <laughs> now, you can look at this and say, hey, hey, I will survive. <laughs> he puts you to a point and says, God, let me die. God said, no, if you die now, how have you helped me? You are going to stay alive. I will beat you. I will thrash you. He said, I wish I was dead. He said, no, you are not going to die. He said, the Lord has disciplined me. The word is severely. But he has not given me over to this. So I stayed there. That's what I want to understand. Wrong thoughts, you are going to give account. You are being judged for it. Forget that thing. The concept of um, grace doesn't cover. God doesn't, you see, what was grace given for? To produce godly character. So why should grace not cover bad character? I was telling, some, telling a story earlier. I didn't finish it. I don't know how I got distracted from it. That woman caught in the act of adultery. Yes. We know that Jesus said, neither do I condemn you. I was talking about the fact that he needed those men, all right, to throw the first stone, to prove to them that they are not worthy of judging her. That, that's what was going on, that you are not worthy of judging this woman. It wasn't just that he was being kind to her. No. He was giving them a correct analysis of the situation. Yes, Moses said that. But he expected that the men don't commit adultery. For that reason, any one of you that has not committed adultery, wasn't say those who have not stolen. That's not what he was saying. He was not saying those who did not bear false witness. That's not what he was saying. He was dealing with adultery. Through the first stone. Now, every man respects himself. Left now. What do I want you to see from that? Why was the man not brought? You no, know, I, I, I say I, I always emphasize that. It is simply because all of those men were they were guilty. I'm convinced one of them. That is, see those people? Is their friend? In fact, they know about it was a setup. That's why they didn't come with him. Now this is where I'm going. Talking about what grace does. Actually, my main um, emphasis again is on Jesus himself. Uh, it's on that woman himself, herself, and the Lord's interaction with her. She now, he now said to her, where are your accusers? He said, they've all gone. He said, no one condemned you. He said, she said, no. He said, okay, neither do I condemn you. Now, this is where I'm going. He now said to her, what? What did he say? Say it again. Say to me one time. You know what that means? Now I'm empowering you. It wasn't a word of advice. 
Because the woman was not a sinner because she wanted to be a sinner. And many people in the world today, that's how they are. They are in bondage to sin. So you can't even judge them because they are in bondage. I hope you are getting my point. He said you can't judge them. They are in bondage to sin. But for that woman, with that word that day, he liberated her from bondage. And he said, go and sin no more. Every man there created a toxic atmosphere. All those men that brought her, they created a toxic atmosphere, making it impossible for her to do right. Then when Jesus came, he said, go and do what? Sin no more. What was he saying? From now on, you have my word empowering you to live above the toxicity of the environment. The excruciating, can I use the word, temptations. Now, don't worry, you have the power. That's what grace is. Grace is not, is not your fault. You can continue to sin. I'm not a lion. I'm a lamb. Anytime you sin, I'll come and say, Meh. There's nothing I can do. Do I look like half teeth? Even if I was a he goat, it's even better. Maybe I'll use my horn and jam you. But I'm a lamb, tender. My name is Jesus Christ. Forget that thing. Jesus has two seasons. There's a lamb season and there's a lion season. When he tells you, go and sin no more, the lamb just died for you. When he rose up again, who is sinning there? That's how, that, see, I hope you're getting my point. That's, it's not a roar. Next time he charges at you, he's not going to come like a lamb or even like a ram with horns. He's come with a lion. And when you see the Bible talk about his enemies, his, his enemies are those who claim to be believers, but they are living for the devil. I hope you are getting my point. So, real grace is that, hey, there's corruption all over the country. This is Nigeria, like they say. So what option do you have? You don't have a choice. You have to survive. That is what is called sin, what? Abounding. That sin abounds. But what is grace? Grace much more abounds. So it means that in the midst of corruption, my name is Daniel. Come and investigate the affairs of the king. You will not find negligence. You will not find corruption. Why? My name is Daniel. I came with the grace of God from Jerusalem. I used to frequent the temple before the invasion. As soon as I came to Babylon, first thing I gathered my friends and said, guys, what do we do here? Say, we will not defile ourselves by anything that is going on in this place. So we consecrated ourselves that day. I'm no longer living for myself. I'm living for the person that owns me. I don't care what the amount of corruption you have. I am not participating. Why? My name is Daniel. My real name is Daniel. Forget the, uh, what do you call it? Uh, what do you call it? Shadrach, they call me. My real name is Ananiah. That is, I'm a son of the kingdom. That is what grace is. You know what I found out? The more you grow in that grace, the, now listen to this. If you deliberately disobey, the higher your judgment. Because to whom much is given? And the next time they catch that girl in the act of adultery, say, what do you say? Jesus said, I'm not at home. That's what he will say. See, this guy, they brought you the other time. What did I say to you? Go and sin no more. That word was following you. So this thing you are sinning, you want it. Before I could blame the men, I'm not blaming them this time. Moses said we should stone her. How is it my business? You just go around. And if you think Jesus always answers everything, you don't know him. 
Peter will come and say, sir, they are stoning somebody. He said, I thought we were on our way to Bethany. Hey, let's go. But they are about to stone somebody. You know, people just assume that once you just take this about one problem, he will just jump. One woman was there crying day and night. My daughter is gravely tormented. She just kept on preaching as if she did not exist. My daughter is suffering. She just didn't say a word. Finally, Peter came. John, James, he came and said, sir, okay, you don't want to answer her. Please tell her to go. She just said, no problem. Call her for me. She came. And he explained to her why he couldn't answer her. The woman had to reach by her faith. Jesus wasn't planning to answer her. It was with her own faith. He said, no, I will not go. He said, do you give the children's bread to dogs? And it, it, look, those were not, um, those dogs were not Ossetian dogs. I hope you get my point. No, no, they were not. They were not. They're not all these, your, you know, there's this dog that looks like rats with plenty of hair. You know that one? <laughs> all this chihuahua, all these kind of things. No, those are not the dogs I was talking about. <laughs> he was talking about wild dogs, stray dogs. Dogs you find that eat nonsense outside. You don't give the children's bread and give to them. The woman said, abuse me all you want. My daughter must be healed today. Now, my emphasis there, okay, is that she had to use her own faith to drag that thing. And say, okay, I'm not asking for the children's bread. At least when you finish, when you throw away the food that you did not eat, can they pick from it? Ah, so said, this one is a serious matter. Great is your faith. It was her faith that, now what I'm going to say is that don't assume that Jesus justice was so soft, he fell for everything. Many people he passed by every day when they were in Israel, he didn't, heal, he didn't heal them. You just assume he healed everybody. He didn't. I don't want to get you know, caught in talking about that. Please, so let's stop thinking that grace just means that I do anything I like, I get away with it. You know why? The John was not seen properly when they called him the lion of the tribe of Judah who has prevailed. John should have known that he was a, he was a lamb of the tribe of Udi people. <laughs> not, he didn't even go to Judah, you know. No, that, that's, what, that's what the body was saying. But it doesn't work like that. that. So for that reason, Christians live anyhow. They don't, take, they don't take their iniquity seriously. They don't. There's, this, there's something deep inside them that, eh, guinea game, nothing going to happen, leave that thing. There's nothing that's going to happen. There's nothing what is going to happen. Leave that thing. It's deep inside. They don't believe God avenges. It's deep inside. They don't believe that God judges. And anytime they get, so any church that now preaches that he doesn't, they flock there. If they tune in and listen to me, I say this kind of thing, the guys quickly log out because if they don't, they can't sleep again. Let me tell you, they saw the Bible called the sleep of death. If you, are, if you log out so you can go and be sleeping in peace, so that there will be no, you are sleeping what the Bible calls the sleep of death. The kind of sleep, you'll be in comfort, you know, yeah, you don't know you are freezing. You don't know. You know what I mean? That, that people, you know, Nigerians generally don't know about that. You know, but those who live in those temperate countries where you can get lost in, in the cold. One man, one day, I read, heard the story. He was lost. I was somewhere, sir. He was on the road. It was cold. It was shivering. So he kept on walking. Then finally, he felt like sleeping. The cold disappeared. He was no longer feeling cold. He was just feeling comfortable. But he just had this urge to just lie down in the snow there and sleep. But because he understood life, he knew that that's how to die. <laughs> he knew that, that feeling of comfort he was having was because his brain was getting cold. He knew that things were getting bad. So the body was beginning to shut. The guy got up and said, I run. So better keep on listening to me. I'm the one saving your life. 
Those who are giving you comfort in iniquity, they are the ones killing you. I'm the one saving your life. I'm the one saving your life by the word of God. People, people come, they listen, you, 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 you talk against their iniquity, they run away. Oh, just by the way, pastor. Pastor that's listening to me. If people are comfortable in their sins while listening to you, God will punish both of you. That's why I began by saying that don't, don't just think that um, you won't get away. Especially when you know. You know your church is growing. You know some of us are so, we are so hung up on numbers. When we started our website that time, the brother who designed it, he said whether I should put, um, what, that they could put a heat counter for, for me. Not the number of people that come to the website. I said don't put it. He said, no. I said no, don't put Why? I said, I'm just 30 minutes to you. Want <laughs> you want me to be checking every day? How many people came? I said, I don't care. My job. He tried to pursue it. I said, no. I refused. I said, my job just to put the things there. I don't want to get into this uh, pressure of uh, how, many, uh, how many people came. You know, if you want to now check how well you are doing. I said, no, don't put me under pressure. So I deliberately told him, don't put it. So all we did was just put the messages there. How many people went there? I don't want to know. Leave me. I mean, I was just starting. So people are under pressure. That is the kind of pressure. For that reason, I've said it before. For that reason, they don't preach the truth. They know it too. They will actually tell you that if you preach like this, people won't come. Now I'm giving instruction to those who think like that. You're begging for divine judgment. You are not being judged for the number of people that came. You are not being judged for the number of people that came. God is not checking banking. So after all these years, your church never passed 200. Those are questions he does not ask. What he asked are things like, so last Sunday, I told you to preach on thou shalt not steal. And then you reason that, Asa, there's a house of rep member here. And there's a former governor here. If I preach, that shall not steal now. They'll think I'm talking about them. That's when you told the Lord. But the other side is that, <laughs> Sir, this is the day that offering is going to be good. Now you want us to drive the people. And that's what God is saying. He's looking at you. It's all right, fine. Now if you are like that again, he's counting the number of days before he shuts down your church. And your church will shut down for funny things like um, um, they found one half-naked girl running out of the pastor's office. And they don't let you defend yourself. And then you'll be angry with everybody because that girl is not normal. <laughs> and she was half-naked running around the neighborhood. People brought her to you for deliverance. You were supposed to cast out demons. That's when they took the picture on social media. No, have you seen what I've painted now? He didn't do anything. But Jesus will still use that one to close the church. When you say why, he says, listen, listen. This guy started this nonsense five years ago when he said church must grow. He doesn't say what I tell him to say. And his church kept on growing. He's filled with influences from the east. Yet there's no end to his riches. That's what Isaiah said. He has become a social like the Philistines. And he's producing results. Look at money everywhere. So the church used to be like 80 people. Now they became 500. They're heading for 1,000. 
And he has noticed that every time. And so anytime I tell him something, the Holy Spirit, of course, you will know. Like one day, one, of, one pastor from one of our sisters, her church, the pastor came to her and said, please pray for me. Say why? Say because I don't know what God will do to me now. Say because I get a word from heaven. And I get a signal from headquarters to send a particular offering. So Sunday I have to cancel what I plan to preach so I can raise money. I hope you're getting my point. Now, so God doesn't come counting how many people are there. He comes checking, all right, so I gave you that word. Did you preach it? The answer is no. Why didn't you preach it? Oh, God. You saw the senator was there now. If you tell him that, shall not stay. You think I'm preaching against APC or PDP. So the fear of man has restrained the things you say for me. God said, no problem. Now, listen to me. He marks it. Please don't be telling God stupid sorry. So any time you disobey God deliberately, don't come and tell him sorry. Just come and say, Lord, I've come for judgment. Say, I'm going to punish you. Say, yes, that's why I have come. Say, but like my son said one time, <laughs> are you going to use belt or are you going to use cane? <laughs> she does my children. <laughs> it was like, it was small that time. So I, so I think maybe he took something he was supposed to take out. I, this one anyway. So I came to investigate. I remember he was sitting on the dining table. I think he was eating. I said, who did this? So I looked at him and he was looking at me. I said, if you tell the truth, and that's how I am, let me teach you parents. I said, if you tell the truth, for what you did is three strokes of the king. If you lie, it's three strokes for the offense, and then six for lying. So it's actually cheaper to just tell the truth. It's one of the things I taught my kids early. So sometimes they are telling the truth is not out of fear of God. It's is the is calculation is mathematics. Like your church. <laughs> so the guy, I remember he was eating. He paused his food. I, I saw the picture in my head. He looked at me. So he said, please, he asked a question. What is it? That am I planning to use belt or use cane? <laughs> because he has learned from experience that belt makes a lot of noise. It really doesn't hurt much. Yes, it doesn't. You know, it's broad. So it distributes its pressure. It's physics. It's basic physics. <laughs> <laughs> now, so when you offend, go and tell. I'm telling you, just go and meet the Lord. Say, Lord, I know I've, I, this one, I did it. But please don't use cane. Can you use belt? And how many souls do you say? Ten. Can you just make it like four? I take the other six later. If you go and tell the Lord, stupid sorry, you will double the cane. Now, when I say sorry now, I'm not talking about being arrogant. Because sometimes what we do as believers is that. We actually are testing his patience. We have this inside our hearts that if I say sorry, nothing will happen. If you do what I've said now, next time you won't misbehave. But, and let me tell you another thing about stories. You just assume that God always hears stories. He doesn't. Yeah, his judgment doesn't come quickly. And one reason why it does not come quickly is because he accumulates them. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, he accumulates like... There's a bucket here. He said, no, no, I won't do anything until the bucket is full. So he tells our pastor, all right, today you will preach on that shall not steal. That one looked like, ah, that shall not steal. Like one pastor said, do you know how much bills I have to pay? I should be preaching that shall not steal. Who, 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 will, pay, who will pay the electricity bill? That shall not steal. Who's going to pay? Please, oh, please, please, preach something that people will bring money. God won't say anything. He takes a bowl and puts it in the bucket. Puts a bowl of the wrath for sin into that bucket. What you don't know is that he will not pour it until it is full. Now the problem with that is this. Ha. 
Sometimes God scares me. Yes. I know. So people don't like this kind of preaching. But you know, I'm more afraid of him than I am of people who don't like it. So let's just, <laughs> you know, remember what the person said. The cure for fear is what? The greater fear. So I think I'm more afraid of him than I'm afraid of people who, who will not send us offerings. I, I like the way I run ministry. Yeah, I, I do. I do. Because God has helped me from the beginning not to care of whether people send offerings or they don't. I, I really don't care. I, I really don't. No, seriously, seriously. I really personally don't care. I literally personally don't give a damn. You say, why? I just say this for the sake of preachers so that you'll understand. Because if you don't say send offerings, no will happen. I will shut down the radio station. My, my judgment will not become bad. You know why? God didn't send me to go and broadcast. Send me to go and preach. So as long as I'm preaching, I'm good. I only get into trouble if he brings the money for broadcasting and I don't. Uh-uh. He knows I won't go to the radio station and go and say, Lord, oh, please, oh, people here, you know I'm a man of God, just broadcast us for free now. He knows I won't do that. It doesn't work. The only thing I can do is pray. When he brings the money, we go on radio. He brings the money, we go. There was a time, eh? <laughs> we multiply radio station in one short period. At the point, I had to tell a uh, uh, tall reverend. I said, hey, it's, it's okay for now. Once we did, did Lagos and Abuja, I told guys, let's pause again. Some of those doors open by themselves. When I say open by themselves, you can just get a call. One guy will just say, ah, are you guys interested in this? He will say, let me ask pastor. When he asks me, I say, okay, uh, where are they? He tells me, I say, okay, now, nah, fine. Negotiate with them. Now, wh- why am I saying so? So it's one of the, just teaching pastors, preachers, thought they didn't send you to go and do, doing some of those funny assignments. When I started ministry, all I did was print tracts. I know why I like that one. I could afford it. Just between my wife and I, we would print the tracks, fold it, and distribute the tracks. The testimonies stay abiding today from ordinary printing of tracks. So once I can preach, so that's why, I, you know, when I see pastors always, please, oh, pastors, why do you guys bother to raise money and be telling lies to do it? Why do we bother? And that's on the side. Let me get back to the main thing I was saying. All right? You know, I was trying to, I just wanted to do that. I trying to say that. I will say the truth. If you like, don't give offering again. You know, if I, usually when, when this kind of thing annoys you, you're a sinner. I don't think you should be giving yet. I, I hope you know if you're a sinner, you shouldn't give yet. It's not necessary. The offering is not good. It's not, go and repent first. Because when you give like that, you start having this idea that God will forgive you. He's not going to forgive you because you gave. You, you know we do that. We want to go and do good work so that God will now help. No, he's not planning to repent. If you're there doing it, see, God warned them in Israel not to bring the wages of harlotry into the temple. So God says, if you are going to use evil to make money, don't give us an offering. You'll get judgment faster like that. Don't. If you're a sinner, you're stealing money, don't give offerings. It's not good. It's not good. If you come to God and give money, hoping that he'll forgive you, he punishes you more. I hope you're aware of that. Many people don't know these things. So, you know, before I used to assume that everybody understood. But they actually don't. So that's why you hear me say these things. Small digression. Do you know, unfortunately, pastors, I'm talking to you again today. A lot of pastors take advantage of that thing. Yeah, they do. I've seen it. They know people like to use giving to cover their sins. I was a place, in a place once, a man was preaching. He was trying to raise money. Then you know what he did? He kept on trying to emphasize that you can give your way. No, he, no. When I say it, it's as if I, it was a deduction. No, he said it overtly. 
He said you can give your way into salvation. Then he described, he mentioned one church. He lied against the pastor because I know the pastor. The pastor never did anything like that. Okay? He lied against that man. He's a prominent minister. All right? He said he lied against. He said that man's church. He said one he started that there were a lot of drug dealers there. He said they gave and gave until they gave into salvation. No, I'm not like, see, I've just quoted for you verbatim what he said. I may have missed one letter or two, okay? But I'm telling you exactly what he said. He mentioned that prominent pastor's name, that one inside the church then in Lagos, that there were a lot of drug dealers, and that they kept on giving until they gave into salvation. He said that just the way I've said it. And when he began to raise money, somebody told me, I said, that guy is a dealer. No, so, some criminals that people felt, people that you know, they would just say, this guy, a way not pure, you know, that kind of thing. He said, they were coming out to give. I said, that, that guy knew. He, knew. he knew that people do it. People do it. Thieves come to church. It's called money laundry. It's spiritual. I mean, not the normal money laundry. All right? I mean, the spiritual one. It's as if we have stolen. Our conscience is not clear. So let's come and wash the conscience. We give God a portion of it. Christians ten, do 10%. Those guys can do 20 They don't have a problem with it. They don't. They don't have a problem with it. They can easily give heavily. And if you're a pastor, and you open your heart and your door to such activities, oh boy, you will go to prison. And that will be the mercy of God. Because if it's not, if, if, if prison will be a, the mercy of God. One of my friends, he was a pastor in one of these West African states. He had a problem. He said, he was in church. He kept on preaching. He said, these boys, they love Nigerians there. They are, you know, drug dealers, 419, you know. They are criminals. So because the Nigerian pastor came to his church. And he knew them. So he would come to church and be attacking them with his messages. He said they, they did not change. So one day, he's <laughs> somebody I know. He behaves very funny. He himself. Because if I were the one, I would just carry my eye away from you. Eh? I'll be preaching the word of God. Okay? But you know what he did? He said, he said if, you, if you come to this church again, he physically stopped them from coming. That's the way he does his own thing. He said, any one of you that won't repent, stop coming. That is, he was so angry. They actually told him that you're not serious. Yeah, they did. They told him that you're not smart. That just watch. They left his church, went across the road to another church, a Nigerian pastor also. You understand? And within six months, they finished that guy's church building for him. So they're looking at it like, hmm. You know, that kind of, you know what they call toy? What's that word for? Apart from toy, what else is there? <laughs> Thank you. One day, my son came to me. No, no is it, uh, he said that, uh, is it my son or my daughter came? I said, Dad, that, uh, no, it was my son. He said that the, that the sister told him, Maggie. <laughs> so uh, I didn't know how to judge the matter because I didn't know the. <laughs> So I was confused. He told you, Maggie. So w- w- what does that mean? Like I was confused. I didn't know the meaning. So, so I called one young woman that was staying with us. She spoke Hebo. I said, what does that mean? It means mad to you. I said, oh. I said, oh, is that what it means? So I begged him, say, sorry, sorry, sorry. The Lord is good. So they, they did that to this man. I'm telling you. They did him this Maggie thing. I can't like, go away. We to say, let's bless you. You are there preaching righteousness. Who righteousness? I'm telling you. Yeah, they really, they, they told him as much. They went to the church down the road, finished that church in a few weeks. 
A few months, the guy's church was complete. He said, well, one thing concerned him, he was preaching his own message. His church is not as big, there are fewer people, but at least the few we had, they were hearing the word. He said, do I know? A few months later, Wahala started. That pastor was collected by the police there and locked in prison. It happened to be a branch of a very big denomination in Nigeria that their overall bishop had to come to that country, use all the influence he had to get that guy out of jail. Put him on a plane, sent him back to Nigeria. The people, and in that is the mercy of God. In that one is the mercy of God. God, that fellow ended in prison. Back to what I was saying. So please, that's the problem when judgment doesn't come quickly. We forget. We don't know it's piling up. Then we'll go to a church that tells us Jesus is just a lamb. He's not a lion. Meanwhile, his bucket is increasing in fullness. The Holy Spirit comes and says, hey, man of God, stop preaching like that. You can't refuse to tell the truth because people will give you an offering. They say, ah, it's for the kingdom. We are moving. Like one man said once, I was somewhere, he said, they say we are always looking for money. Is it not for the, for, for the gospel we need it for? I said, oh, so you actually know. He's the one that said, look, when he gives you, you always tell God, you know that church, my money is there. That church, my money is there. So when he wants to pray, he reminds God of all these things. And in case you are one of those that remind God of such things, again, your bucket is getting full. Please, I hope you are getting my point. So the Lord will say, listen, I told you, don't preach this way. He said, we need to expand the church. You lied in my name. I brought a sinner to you. So give him the opportunity to repent. Once he came in, and you smelled his expensive perfume, and they told you the kind of car he came with, you changed your message because you wanted to collect his money. Thereby, see, that's your wickedness. You are more interested in his money than his soul. There's no problem. Guys, another bowl, pause it. Now, this feeding of that bucket can take years. And listen, if people are praying for you, please, this life, eh? Just make sure people are praying for you. How? Just pray to God that people will pray for you, and you pray for other people. If people are praying for you, and God wants to show you mercy, you will get into trouble. Like that pastor, you will go to prison. You will fall sick. Things like that will happen. Now, listen to me. It is not stopping the bucket from filling up. It's just supposed to provoke you to self-examination. There's nobody will not preach to you that it's the devil. It's the devil. Says the work you are doing for God. And he wants to stop it. Listen to me. Satan cannot use sickness to stop the work you are doing for God. He doesn't have that power. There are powers he has. That's not one of them. Many times I hear people say that, eh, you see, eh, the devil won't have this plan. I've told you, the devil always has plans. It's not, don't stop feeling special. That the, what we're doing, the devil will not decide. I said, who, who are you? The devil planned before you were born. But God has given a commandment to his plan. They must fail. That's what it means when he said, dust, you will eat. That's the meaning of that thing. It wasn't, people say that, have you ever seen a snake eat a lick dust? Sometimes we don't think about this and say, God caused the snake to be crawling on the ground. That's not what they did. Let's not even go there. How many snakes have you seen when they want to eat? Snake, all the snakes you know, they are carnivores. Is there any herbivorous snake? Have you ever seen any snake enter your house, eat your beans? No. <laughs> they don't. What they are looking for is your... Your lizards, your rats. That's what they eat. So, leave that thing. When the Bible said, thus thou shalt eat, God was pronouncing 
frustration upon all the plans of the devil. If in our study we did the last time, we, we explained it in details there. What I want to say is that, so don't worry about the devil having a plan. He has a plan. Now, he always has. He's not, he's, there's nothing special. There's nothing you want to do. You're not the one saving the world. That devil, Satan will not go and gather and wait for you on the mountain and say, turn these stones to bread. <laughs> Listen, I'm not saying Satan will not tempt you, but don't think he has a special. The problem you have is not the devil. When he wanted to stop Jesus, what did he do? What did he do? He tempted him. So the only time you can tell me Satan has a plan is when your temptations increase. If somebody walks in there, like I said, one, part, one preacher ahead of, somebody walked to send him a message. Say, I want to call you for a meeting. If you agree to come, whether you come or not, just agree to come. Pay you, let me just give different figures. We'll give you five millionaire that you receive our call and say, I'll be at your meeting. Says five millionaire. If you come and you don't agree to what we are going to propose, just for coming, we'll give you 20 million. So let us assume now, as I'm sitting down here, two politicians come in. And I recognize them. This is the chairman of one party. This is a campaign, what do you call them? DG of, an, of that same party. And they sit and say, man of God, good morning, sir. I say, ha. So they bring an envelope. I open it. I see $10,000. Then I know Satan is up to something. I don't know whether you're getting my point. I know Satan, I know now. When he says, I say, ah, what is this for? Just to say, God bless you. I say, no, wait. Because if you say you don't know, <laughs> if you say you don't know, now only they worry you. He yourself be Jaguda. You want to you know Naba. You see you see chairman of party. They have never come for Bible study. We have been in this good together for a long time. You have never come for Bible study. Then the first day you come, you give me ten thousand dollars. As you push on like that, so I will push on back. Say, so let's talk first. No, man of God, that's for you. Yes, I know. This is also for you. I push it back. Oh, yeah? Can you say the thing you wanted to say? They went and said that, sir, okay, let's just say, look, I can see that you're a man. I can see you're a man. You understand? Say, I do. Now, we're just thinking that if in your preaching you can just say this, then when you're done, we'll give you $50,000. Then I will come to you and say, Satan is up to something. I hope you're getting my point. And that is when Satan is up to something. So all you just need to do is, you know, because, you know, just tell them that this is what the, what the country is doing. You just, just say this. Just say it for us. Now, just by the way, when they want to tempt you like that, they will never say, say the devil is Lord. No, they are not. That. I mean, the price for that was like $100 million, and they don't have. <laughs> I hope you are getting my point. And even then, you won't take. Before you can say the devil is Lord, it takes like 25 years of backsliding. You don't just backslide in one moment and suddenly the devil is Lord. It takes a long time to get to that point. So they don't offer such things. Usually will come and say, just say, change is what we need. You know, things that make sense. I mean, don't we need change? <laughs> I mean, things that make a lot of sense. That we have to repent from lack of development to forward movement. They'll give you some keywords. All of which I found in scripture. Even Jesus used some of them. You see, Peter will use James. They'll show you. They planned it for you now. So once you just use those words, this $50,000 is yours. Now, no matter how accurate those words are, once money is being used to make you say them, you are working for mama. If you believe those words, you will give them their money. And say, thank you for giving the revelation of God. I'll go and pray about it. Now, what am I going to say? That is when Satan is what? Up to something. Do you know when he's up to something? When he's tempting you. I hope you're getting my point. Yes, it's when temptation is increased. Like one man says, once I should come... I should come and come and help them with something. That for come and stand in as their lecturer for accreditation. 
that I don't know what's wrong with people. Just for come, we'll give you 200,000. And I said, laughing. No, sorry, that was not Satan up to something. Stupid people were up to something. Because Satan knows enough that that's not even temptation. I'll go and stand and put my name as one of the lecturers because you'll give me 200,000 and then I'll go back. Then NUC will say, okay, they have a lecturer in this area. Now, just like some people don't even know me enough to know that. I went to one church one day. I finished preaching. The announcer pastor should take the microphone and raise money. He now said to them, it was men's fellowship that organized the program. He now said to them that, no, that is a man of God who just finished blessing them for these last three days. That the anointing is upon him. He's the one that can do that money raising. You know who the man of God was? Me. Now this is where I'm going. The men looked at themselves and told him not to bother. And they left. <laughs> I was sitting beside them. I did like I didn't know what I was saying. I saw them. They look at each other and say, tell Pastor Banky, lie, lie. <laughs> they carried their microphone and left. I said, these people really know me. They've been following me. They say, eh, we're going to give Pastor Banky to come and raise money on the fourth day. After this days program. But let's not just embarrass ourselves. They left. That man did not know me enough. He shouldn't have even made that offer at all. Now, what I'm going to say, when the temptation amplifies, that is when Satan is actually up to something. He doesn't have power in himself to ruin your life. He does not have power in himself to stop your destiny. He does not. So if you have problems, go and pray. Leave Satan out. I hope you're getting my point. Let me continue with my story. So the bucket is getting full. Again, let's use that pastor as an example. God said, listen, this boy, you have exactly five years during which I will give you ten opportunities to stop this nonsense. When I say ten opportunities, the temptation will come out. I will say, don't do it again. The temptation will come out and say, this is the consequence of doing such things. It will be clear to you. Now, listen to this. The tenth time within that five years, I will stop talking. That doesn't mean you die the next year, but I won't speak again. And when the Holy Spirit stops talking, you have no ability to think. You don't have the ability to repent. That's why I tell people, when you say, have I committed a sin that's unto death? I say, are you still asking? You have not. Once you are still asking, the Holy Spirit is still with you. Once the fact that pleasing God is an issue, is still high in your heart, he has not left you. Because when he does, those thoughts don't cross your mind. If anybody comes up with it, you will get angry. Listen to me. Once the Holy Spirit stops talking, you no longer have the ability to repent. So that pastor I'm telling you about, that is when his wala will now start. His friends can't do anything. Listen to me. Even if they prayed, God will not answer. He won't answer, Yes. John said, if you see a brother committing a sin that is not unto death, pray. For him, you receive life. You receive life from God for him. He said, but if he's committing a sin that is unto death, I do not say you should pray about that one. Because God will not listen. Once a man makes that mistake, once he does that disobedience and crosses the limit of God, the Holy Spirit says, is enough. Then he's kept alive for a number of reasons. There are different reasons. Most times it's for an ignoble purpose. Sometimes there are certain things that he's doing that God needs him to finish. Maybe the children are in university. So they give him money to pay for the next two years. After that, kill him. Yeah, sometimes. He just says, no, okay, 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 no. Okay, give him time. I want him to put their affairs in order because of this. And so arrange circumstances over the next one year where he'll be forced to disclose to his wife where he will be forced to release some things, then rearrange. There's one young man I want to take over the church from him. He's currently he's in Colombia, moving back home. So now we'll soon hear news. He'll travel back home. They'll withdraw his visa. You know, God is bringing him to come and take. So why God is doing all of that? He keeps that guy there. But 
The ability to change and repent is withdrawn. The only thing that now remains is judgment. There are people walking on this earth. They don't have the ability to change. Why? Because they know no, they have they've crossed it. They've crossed it. The time they had was this. The number of opportunities they are supposed to have amounted to this. So it's gone. And there is no intercession. There's no begging that will change it. Why am I saying this? I want every Christian to make repentance an urgent matter. I want every believer to know. When it says, add to your faith virtue, there's a certain amount of virtues that God says you must accomplish by December. I hope you're getting my point. There's a certain amount of virtue that he says you must accomplish within a particular period of time. You don't have all the time. You can't just laze around as if, as if uh, nothing will happen. That's why I began this wrong. Something terrible will happen. If you are called, now please, again, because I'm a preacher, I keep on using preachers as an example. If you are called as a minister, for, into ministry as an example, you can't keep waiting forever. Five years ago, you went somewhere, as they were preaching, the spirit was, in fact, the spirit was coming out, the anointing, it was, you even saw a vision. There was one guy one day, when I remember him once in a while, I prayed for him. I've not done that in years now. I used to pray for him once in a while when I remember him. When we were in school, one day he told me, the day he gave, he gave his life to Christ, somebody I know, nothing about one other brother. Did you know those very spiritual people on campus? No. There are two kinds of spiritual people. There are some funny spiritual people. Those funny ones, they are in two groups. <laughs> the first group, they're very noisy. Everywhere they go, hey, Kabbalah, Baba, hey, Shalabah, the Lord is going, Tongues and interpretations and stuff. But they, are, but they are fake. They are not very spiritual. They are just fake. You know, they are funny. Okay? Then, amongst them are also this group that are very quietly spiritual. Praise God. <laughs> what is the Lord saying? Amen. Both of them annoy me. I find them very annoying. I've known them for a long time. In fact, this second type, those ones there, are the ones I just <laughs> come my friend get rid of. <laughs> but this is what I'm talking about. He's the other kind of spiritual. Very calm, but deeply spiritual. Yeah. I still remember his name, Ezekiel. If Ezekiel catch you like this, eh, you will see God. I'm telling you. He was doing a very calm way. We're preparing for exam. We just say, hey, Banky, how are you? I said, we're fine. fine. Fine, thank you. That's it. Start showing you scripture. You got to lean against the wall like that. I, I remember when, when, when the Lord said you know, to Isaiah, you know, there's something, you know, it struck me when the Lord was speaking to Isaiah. And he said, cry. And Isaiah said, what shall I cry out? And he said, all flesh is grass. You know, it just hit me. That is our effort. It's grass. So what you need is the exam you're going for. Is the glory of God to be manifested. And I was thinking, what is the glory of God manifested? And you wake up in the morning, just give him praise. Give him thanks. Don't worry. He catches you on the road. Five minutes. That's it. He has changed your life. Then continues going. That's one calm face. Sling guy like this. He didn't used to... He didn't used to laugh too loud. He wasn't too quiet. He was just normal. And I wasn't aware that I was president of a fellowship or any leader anywhere. Just used to carry his bag and go to class. Like, but let him catch you first. One day, he came to our room. We were joking. We were playing. 
So we just discover songs of Solomon. You know what they call songs of Solomon? It's a book in the Bible that they should have put 16 on it or be 18. You know when you want to watch movies, they put age. If they want to read that Bible, that portion of Solomon, it had to be Solomon that writes all these actually. You have a thousand wives and, uh, you know, you'll be writing, be seeing love in everything. So, songs of, so we've just discovered songs of Solomon that time as young men. Young men. You don't get what I'm saying? When old men find songs of Solomon, what is it? They've been for 30 years. Eh? Ah, so Solomon knew all these things. Okay, Solomon. But you young men. Ha! Ah, the Bible. Solomon will say, ah, he has a young bride. The, no, let me, the things he said, I can't say it on the pulpit. They are, they are not. They are not. It's only a couple's fellowship that you say things like that. So that particular day. So when the room were playing, we're laughing. And Ezekiel walked in. And he saw us laughing. And he picked the songs of Solomon. I was reading it. Next thing he knew, I, I knew. He said, no, this just struck me here. That's it. The guy's interpreting the book he had hardly read before. All our laughter and mirth and laughing. He didn't participate. He was calm and he was reading it. I said, oh, no, this is serious. Did he not do what he said here? That's the kind of person this guy was. So he caught my friend. That's where the Jesus is going now. You gave your life to Christ. You need the Holy Spirit. Now you grab him. See, those are the real spiritual people I knew. That guy was spiritual. Like, you gave your life to Christ. I don't know where they met. Now he grab, grabbed the guy. Grab him. Carry and go somewhere. When he prayed for my guy, my guy saw vision. When he came later to tell me the kind of visions he saw, I looked at him like, ah, oh boy. If I, like, I told one of my friends that, he said, nah, he said, people are begging for small vision. God never give. Now they give this guy this amount of vision. The guy was seeing the globe. He was seeing the earth. He was seeing light. He was, ah. now, for privacy reasons, I won't tell you much more than that. When he finished describing the vision for me, I could see the call of God on his life. It was, it was too clear. Billy Graham didn't see anything like that. And he became Billy Graham. I don't think Rehon Bokit saw anything this close. Men have seen things, but what this mind described for me, I was like, what? And the look God said, you don't get vision for me. You know, like, give me small vision now. Man, just the, you're not even sharing this vision around. You just gave it to only this guy. Then years later, oh, the story I'm telling you, of course, is about 32 years ago. No, 30, that was around 1988, 89. 33 years, 34. I don't think my bro has fulfilled 0.1% of that vision. In fact, as far as I was he abandoned it entirely. I remember once in a while, like, what happened? And that's what I was telling us last time. Please be very careful. Don't, three things. Let's go back again. Number one. No, no, that's it. Number three, my friend. Don't mind him. This guy wants to come and cause confusion. No fear. Thank you very much. Yes. <laughs> yes. Don't fear. Don't be afraid for your life. Because what, what usually happens to most people is the demand principle. Let me go and look for money first. That's what did my guy. Let me go and look for money first. Let me go and make it first. And the danger in that is that the time it takes you to make it may be longer than the Lord is willing to wait for you. 
usually it's longer, but let's just make it simple and say it that way. The time now you want to go, make it in in life financially, build a house here and there where you can collect rent in case offering is not coming. Have a business running. Now those things are doable, humanly speaking. With a little bit of blessing from heaven, they are very doable, except that they don't happen overnight. The time it takes to get that accomplished, even if God were to put a blessing on it, is usually longer than the period he's willing to wait for you to come and start the assignment he gave you. So that's why I say that you cannot leave the reason why God gave you life until it is convenient. Let me drop this for young women. Sorry. Don't marry a husband when you have finished your plans. Marry a husband when you find one. Did you get what I said? Women do one for anything. So I, I plan that I'll marry after I do my MSc. So you see the guys are waiting. Say, okay, we're waiting for your certificate. We'll now say, okay, man, now you have MSc. Now let me go and give the reverend father. No, no. No, I, I see it. I see it a number of times. You, 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 you are planning. When I finish my MSc, I don't want a man to be looking down on me as if I'm married because I don't have a brain. Something's wrong with you. To even have that kind of thought, you have a complex that needs to be cured of. The man God is sending to you, you think he's waiting. The God says, okay, thou shalt marry a master's holder. And I know what does many of them. Like someone like my wanted to really do, uh, I can finish, I can, before she marries. I say, like, like this is a man of God. I don't have time for such things. I can't wait. I want to marry and finish, they abandon, I can. So some people have now looked and said, you see, that's why it's not good to marry before you do, I can. How will it change your life? Some of the things you are pursuing in life, they have nothing to do with your destiny. I hope you're getting my point. Yeah, they have nothing to do. So I've told you last time, I feel like somebody listened to me. That PhD you want to finish before you start ministry. God said, just watch me. The day you finish that PhD, I will set that certificate on. If I, would, I would burn your whole department because of you. There's nothing wrong with the department, but that they gave you a PhD. I'm setting them on fire. That they, they retired the lecturer I told to frustrate your life. <laughs> it is not everything you are pushing that's important for your destiny. And don't worry. They, what, see, let me tell you something eh? When you die, the best they will do with your certificate is to use to put title in front of your, your obituary notification. That's all. You see, professor, chief, doctor, give me another one, sir, engineer, barrister, thank you, MNI, JP, has died. <laughs> that is the only thing. It won't make you as rich as Dangote. So what's all of this nonsense here? It won't make you as influential as David Oyedepo. So what's all of this nonsense? What's what I'm making? Don't just assume you have the time. You'll be making plans you know, that will push the thing God wants you to do till later. Why you fulfill? You, it doesn't make sense. You cannot fulfill your own plans before you fulfill the plan of God. It doesn't work. I feel like talking about that husband matter again. Look, okay, listen. Even if you are doing final exam, it is when all the, the man says, tell the lecturer, I say, okay, I will come and write my paper after the wedding. So why don't you finish the exam first? He said, no, I, I, I will finish the exam later. Which one is more important, final exam or my wedding ceremony? Do the most important things first. What's wrong with you? Serious counselor, it's, it's management principle. <laughs> Yeah, it's management principle. In management, in management one day one, somebody came to teach some of our people. I wasn't there that day, but they gave me the rundown afterwards. So this is what we were taught. They said in, in, in management, 
They gave us tasks. Task, task one is very important. Task B is very urgent. Say, so which one do you do first? Very important or very urgent? Good. Some of you say very urgent. They said no. It's very important. That forget very urgent. That importance is what dictates which one goes first. That very urgent is done after very important. He said because the worst scenario to be in is to have a very important thing being very urgent. So solve the important first. Then you can solve the urgent later. There is a temptation of life when urgent things want to displace important things. It's a temptation. Some of the disciplines of life. Okay, have you not done it before? You carry food, you want to do something important. Then you see a message. Let me quickly reply. That's it. The reason you pick that phone, you forget. One hour later, because we're waiting for the transfer. Ah, ah, sorry, I picked my phone no, to transfer the money. What happened? They have gone. The flight has left. There's no flight again. Go by road. Why? You decided to do what? Urgent and left important. So this is I'm learning. I'm, I'm, I'm not learning to. I'm learning. And when I pick the phone, why did I pick this phone? Do it first. For maybe I should disable notifications and everything. Because those notifications are, are, are of Satan. <laughs> if you not noticed, you pick your phone to transfer. Somebody's in the market buying something for you. Please let me buy. Okay, how much? We've gotten it. It's 8,005. Transfer the money now. This is the account number to transfer to. You pick the phone, say, okay, let me transfer it now. The next thing, Tom, Pim. Why does this guy go talk like this? You don't enter group chat of Paris. <laughs> That's it. Then the chat, so the people they market they wait. After a while, <laughs> they say, this man no one send the money. They leave the market. They come back up. Where's the stuff? We said you transferred it. <coughs> now the point I'm making is these people of God. We cannot leave very important things till it is convenient. The reason why God gave you life is very important. You have to pray to get his timing right. Many people want to go, go and make money. Let me go abroad. Let me stay in Saudi for a few years. And for those of us who can go to Saudi, Saudi is very tempting. If you don't believe God, the boy, you go travel. <laughs> Telling you. Even if you believe God, you go see travel because <laughs> unless the assignment says don't go anywhere. Why would you feel safe? Where's Pastor Banking? I said, let me go and collect some money in Saudi. We'll be back next year. The kingdom will resume after this time out. <laughs> Half of those who are following me will lose faith. Nothing wrong with Saudi. In fact, sometimes I tell some of my colleagues who say they want to, they want to go, go abroad for money. You want to go abroad for money. What are you going to do for in Canada or America? In fact, two people, if it's money you're looking for, UK and Canada, not the first choice. If it's money you're looking for, oh boy, go Saudi. They pay very well. It's tempting. If you can be tempted, it is. What am I trying to say? That's what many people fall for. And then you leave the reason why God gave you life. Nothing, see, please, you must understand. What I'm trying to teach is a matter of priority. That's what I'm saying. It's not, I'm not saying this is evil. But if you set the right priorities, you will do the right things all the time. If you set the right priorities, that's the point I'm making, you will do the right thing all the time. It's just about setting the right priorities. So if you feel, now back to what I was saying, if you feel like, look, Again, I'm using preachers as an example. If you are called to ministry, oh boy, go and start doing ministry. Because I said something last time. There are three things. We said number one is what? Don't be afraid. Number two, don't look for glory for yourself. And number three, don't make long-term plans. 
Why do I say don't make long-term plans? Because, you see, actually you don't know where God is taking you to. There's no need pretending. You, can, you only know where he has taken other people to, and you want to go there too. For example, where he has taken e, 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 David Oedipo to, you want to go. Where he has taken e, Oedipo to, you want to go there as preachers. Do you get my point? Where he took Kenneth Hagin to, you want to go there. You can't help it. It's just inside your heart. There's nothing. It just, you know, if it okay, was your plan for ministry, you tend, unless God gives you a special revelation, you tend to make um, the, you know, drawings in your mind from what you have seen before. It's a normal thing. It's not as if you are evil. So what does, it mean, what, what does it mean to be successful in ministry? You use those in front of you usually to plot what is success. Meanwhile, what God wants to do through you sometimes has never been done. I mean, at least not to your awareness. You don't even know anybody that has done it. You know the truth? What's, what kingdom world is doing today? Eh? I didn't know anybody. Now, I'm not saying I've never been done. Did you get my point? I just didn't know anybody that had ever done it. It was later that I found out that some people tried it, but they left it. We meet on Saturdays and Tuesdays. People have come to me many times. I don't do move it to Sunday, you know, become a church and all of that. I say it doesn't fit the vision. Now, I don't have anything against church. Are you getting my point? The way people do church normally. But my focus, my little understanding of spiritual, of um, the garden of believers, the church is different from ministry. The administration of church is different from administration of a ministry. Actually, a church is an aggregation of many ministries. So where we all gather together, and so that's why they tend to run it with boards and all of that, because it's actually a community of believers. No, ministry is usually centered around somebody or a few people's gift and assignment. So Kingdom Word is primarily about teaching the Word. So there are many things. You don't see choir being organized here. You need a choir in your life. I hope you get my point. You need songs in your life. Kingdom Word just doesn't provide it. You don't see men's fellowship. You need men's fellowship in your life. Kingdom Water just, not, just doesn't provide it. How can the church be without children's church? Well, Kingdom Water does not. We have children distraction corner. <laughs> just because parents must have a place to keep their children. That's why we have a room there, put a TV there, put them, you know, just to keep them busy for a few hours while their parents hear the word of God. Now, you see, so everything is centered around essentially a single thing. Now, there's a, let me not get stuck on that because I wanted to just explain something that we have to be careful as believers not to center the brethren around one single thing. That's what often happens when a ministry becomes a church. So they run it as a church, but they call it a church, but run it as what? A ministry. So, someone like, okay, Rehon Bunky had a ministry, not a church. You see, they had just one thing in mind. Evangelism. Going around winning lost souls for Christ. They didn't, have, they didn't develop pastors. They did not have choirs. Everything go from here to there, you understand, doing ministry. Now, I'm going somewhere. So, people have asked me that a lot of times. Why don't they do that? I said, no, that's not the focus. I can't do that. I have to try and maintain the focus. I've been distracted occasionally here and there for small, small things, but some of them have even said I'm not doing it again. Now, I'm just saying something. So everything has a focus, all right? Everything has a focus. So you have to be careful. Kenneth Higgins said he had a problem. One day he was going. The Lord told him that they were having some issues. He went to pray. The Lord said that, what did you call this thing? 
It's a healing school. So when he did become healing and counseling school. So he came and stopped counseling. So anybody comes there, you come to learn about the word of healing. They don't even, no praise, worship, nothing. They just take one or two songs just to get people into the mood and they start teaching. I learned all of this from, from the beginning. That's why you come to Kingdom World Ministries. If you notice the way we go about it, we pray, then we teach. You come again next time, we pray, then we teach. You come again next week, we pray, we teach. Every seminar we go for is like that. We pray, we teach. Occasionally, when we have special programs, we may sing a hymn. Do you get my point? It's just based on teaching. Now, this whole story, you know what I'm telling you? So I've done this for years in Enugu. started in Enugu like this one and three. Then one day I heard that there was a pastor before me in Enugu that did the same, something similar. Not exactly the same thing. He also met on Tuesdays and Saturdays. And then people gathered and told him, if you want this ministry to blow, you add a Sunday service. People are following you. This is a time, you know, people like to plan. Yeah, Jeroboam. It's called a Jeroboam spirit. You know what the Jeroboam spirit is? God brings you to a level by prophecy. You want to stay there by human arrangement. That is, that is the Jeroboam spirit. You are going to jail, and he just stops you on the road and says, Hey, I'm angry with the house of David. I'm going to tell you, so I'm giving you ten tribes. You're going to be king. And Ahijah leaves. And just like Ahijah prophesied, you will gather and make you king. You now say, hey, now that I'm king, how will I remain king? Common sense should have told you, call Ahijah. Say, sir, how should I remain a king? Ahijah will have said to you, this is the commandment I gave to the house of David. If they will obey my word, I will establish a throne for them forever. Obey that word and you don't have any problem. Jeroboam said no. If Israel goes to Judah to worship, their hearts will melt and reunite with the house of David. Then they will now kill me and return the throne to the household of David. So I will stop them from going to worship God, where God has placed his name in Jerusalem. I will stop them. So would they worship? Back to Egypt, back to the wilderness. Put a calf here, two extremes of Israel. Israel, you don't have to go far. Seek God to worship. And that thing became a sin to the house of Jeroboam. So much that God said, I will punish him not only for what he did, but for the sin he caused Israel to commit. So they came to the man, just like I heard later. But when I heard, I said, God, I thank you. You know what happened? He said, just turn it to church. And this now this time to gather. You have to consolidate. This, you know, people do it. Ministers do it. Time to consolidate. You see the way, they, the way people are following you now. They will not always follow you. They will not always follow you. This is time to consolidate. One of the things you must have as a minister, don't care whether you are followed or you are not followed. Just care that you, are, you keep touching the, preaching the truth. People are not supposed to follow you. They are supposed to follow the truth. They are not supposed to follow you. They are supposed to do what? Follow the truth. When Jesus preached the truth, that was deep, everybody left him. Everybody. Everybody, remaining just 12. He looked at them and said, Peter, ah, you and your guys are still here. He said, yes, sir. So are you not leaving too? He said, to whom shall we go? Why did they stay? He said, you have the words of eternal life. So they told this man, I was told, time to consolidate. You know what he did? He listened. The ministry was converted to church. We were supposed to gather on Sunday. And that was the end of that ministry. It closed. I never knew about it. I heard the gist a few years ago. After I'd been doing this 
since 2003. We're in 2022 now. So 20 years next year. For more than 15 years, I've been doing this when I heard it. I said, can you see the way people tempt people? If you know the number of places I got the counsel from. In fact, it was so much that at a point in time, I had to go and pray. That is, Banky, are you being stubborn? Because sometimes you can be stubborn in your way, and God is trying to move in another direction. So I remember that time I went to Lagos. One of my friends has gone home to be with the Lord now. So we're in the car. I said, please, there's something I wanted to discuss with you. So I told him all the suggestions and everything. I said, look, listen, I am not keen on it, but I just don't want to be stubborn. So I said, let me ask counsel from people that can counsel me. So we discussed. Then he uttered the word. The moment he gave me that, I knew it was the word of the Spirit. He said, this thing they are telling you to do. He said, many people are doing it. He said, this one you are doing, how many people are doing it? As soon as he said it, I said, thank you. Now, you have given me the, because I knew it before, but I just needed to hear it so that it wouldn't be as if I was being stubborn. I heard it, and that's why we are still where we are till today. The other man didn't hear it. You know what happened? The ministry closed. Yes. Now, what am I going to say? Listen, people of God, there are many things I've said today. It's centered around one thing. Why was it running the razors in front of you? Don't joke with the Lord that you are serving. Him. Don't play with him. Don't, that is, don't, don't say, he actually is giving time. He says, by this time, you must have done this. By this time, you must have accomplished this. He's judging your thoughts. He's judging your actions every day. You don't have all the time to change. You don't have all the time to repent. You don't have all the time to obey him. You don't have all the time to do the reason he gave you life. Let's talk about Satan and the world briefly, then I close. One thing I like about the devil. Hmm? <laughs> he said, Pastor, you like something about the devil? Yes, I do. He said, what? I will tell you. He has not changed. God has not given him the ability to change. He is the same devil. I don't know where, where, where I get my point. Yeah, the same object, the same aim. From the beginning, what he has always wanted to do was to make you and me not obey God. There's, the first time he showed up, what did he come to do? Has God really said? His assignment is don't obey the Lord. When he came to Jesus Christ, what did he come to tell him? Turn these stones to bread. He wanted to derail him from the plan of God for his life. Listen to me. That's one thing. Pardon me for using the word like, but that's the truth. That is one thing I like about the person of Satan. Because he's predictable. He's even angry that I'm saying this now, but what can he do about it? You know, there's something about being frustrated by God. If God wants to frustrate you, you know, the way Satan has been frustrated, like now, you see us planning to cast you out, and you can't do anything. I don't know whether you're getting my point. <laughs> That's the way it is with the Christian and the devil. There's nothing. There's nothing he can do. If we say, today we are casting you out of here, we'll give him an announcement, say, Satan, we'll come tomorrow morning by 8. We'll cast you out and we'll send you to this. Or, do you know the truth? He can't do anything. He can't fortify against us. He can't say the Christians are coming. Home. Let me get more demons. Because the number of demons he has does not affect our ability in any way. The same power we used to drive our one demon, we use it for 100 million. What's the power in Jesus' name? He's permanently frustrated. For that reason, I think it's relatively easy to tackle. So, so it was it Peter who said it? Yes. No, Paul. Paul. Paul said we are not unaware of the devices. That is, we know it. There's a simple way it works. There are simple things. 
no divisions, you know, accusations, temptation. He's not many. His object is just one thing. To prevent us from obeying the Lord. Now, what am I saying with all of these things? The world and Satan, when it comes to you fulfilling your assignment, the major thing they try to do, Satan now, one, distract you. You can't block your vision. You just say, hey, look this way. Don't you like this? That's it. He wants to tell you that, okay, do, do this later. No, there's no problem now. Are you not a man of God? You're a man of God. Hey, you will man for God later now. But man of God won't eat. It's the same thing. That's why I say Satan, you want to know satanic counsel. Any counsel that focuses on you, that focuses on preserving your life, your ambition. How do I know? Jesus went to Peter and said, get behind me, Satan. Why did he say so? He said, you are not minding the things of God. You are minding what? The things of man. That is, it's like, you are a minister. Say, God, God planted you in Katsina by visions and revelations. And I say, oh, well, why don't you move to Abuja? You can also preach there too. I hope I get my point. We want you to be able to preach. It's not to preach. Because you must bear it in mind, every divine assignment has a location. Locations are not chosen randomly. The human idea is that, Banky, what you are preaching in Enugu can be preached from Lagos too. The human thought is that what you are preaching from Enugu, I mean, the internet is faster if you go to Los Angeles. What you are preaching from Enugu, you can do it best from Birmingham. I mean, there are ideas. But you said to us that God called you to preach, didn't you? The truth is that the people forget two things. Okay, well, there are two issues there. Number one, most of the time, they are trying to do, say to you, do the work of God where it is comfortable. The second part is they forget. That as simple and as logical as what they are saying is, the person that sent you actually had a location in mind. And that location, you must be. Time will not let me, because it's not even necessary to discuss that now. The truth is this. Being in Enugu is important for what I preach. How? I don't know. I don't know. If I was standing in Abuja to do this work, I would say different things. You will not. Why? I don't know. Divine assignments are tied to geography. It's not every mountain you go and offer Isaac. People don't get it. It's not every mountain where the sacrifice of Isaac is acceptable from. So before you shift location, pray. And when you are praying, you are praying with a focus on divine assignment. There's one brother I know. Anytime he wants to talk, I feel like saying, oh boy, do, do, you, do you listen to yourself? He moved to somewhere in Europe long ago. And he's an under minister of the gospel. Now, why I don't listen to him anymore is that his testimonies are always centered around the faithfulness of God in bringing him into comfort. Do you understand? How to be led by the Spirit. His example would be, I left a small house with interruptible power supply and bucket-needed water-fetching environment into a place where my power doesn't go off, my water is constant. And it will give you scripture and scripture to show how God is faithful, how God leads. After a while, I feel like I said, bros, can't you see how demasic these messages are? He said, Lucy, the time I needed to leave Nigeria, I thank God. Because if I didn't leave that time, look at all this crisis going on now. 
You know, you look like, excuse me, are you all right? When Abraham left all of Chaldees, he left a comfortable place to become a nomad, to be moving from one tent to the other. It is the reason why you have an, you, you got an Isaac. It's the reason why Jesus Christ came through his lineage. God does not only lead from, comfort, from hardship to comfort. He leads from comfort to hardship. Did he not say, endure hardship with me as a true soldier of Christ? Joseph left from hardship into work, which appears like comfort. I had to say that like that. But let's look at his, his, his brother later, Moses. When Moses was going to do his own, he left that comfortable place. Read the book of Hebrews chapter 11. God told him, instructed him to go to the wilderness. Why do we have this impression that God just leads from, you know, earthly glory to a higher level of earthly glory? No. Francis Chan. Go and read his story. Francis Chan is a man of uh, Chinese descent and American. Please read his story. He met the Lord, started a church, I think in somewhere, is it San Francisco? I mean, yes, somewhere around there. The church was growing and growing and growing and growing. They, they now had about 2,000 members regular meeting on Sunday. And the guy kept on feeling dissatisfied and unhappy. He said, this is not church. Do you know what? He got up and resigned from being the pastor of a church that he built from the scratch that now had over 2,000 members. What is that doing? Going from place to place, starting house fellowships. If he ever comes to that church, he comes as a visitor. Or the invite. He handed everything over. You are not the trustee, you are not the pastor. You're not, you just handed over. Hey, you guys should take. That this, guy, this is not life. He said, I'm not anybody's performer. That you guys come to watch me perform on Sundays. You know the glitter, you know the glitter. Hey, let's welcome to the microphone right now. The man of God. <laughs> the, the, the way we like to deceive ourselves, you know that kind of thing. Francis Chan said, no, I'm nobody's performer. So he packed his things and walked out of that ministry. And that's what he's doing till today. He's not agree with anybody. He said, but this Sunday, Sunday performance, I don't know how to do it. Am I saying he's right? That's not the point. The point is that God can lead you from a church, passing a church of 2,000, to going around houses where there are no more than 20, 30. And he's happy doing it. And he believes that that's what God wants him to do. But many of us think that no, it's only the other way around. If God blesses you, when the blessing comes, though you were 20 today, I see somebody pastoring the church for 5,000. Amen! They, ch- they will now make Yongichu our idol in life. One million members. It doesn't have any meaning. I'm not saying one million is bad. I'm just saying it has no meaning. He is not more successful than the person who has a church of 100 people. Just make sure you are doing what God instructs at each moment. And like I said last time, let me go over that briefly again. How will I know? God does it like this. You are going from point A, or you are going from, yeah, from the starting point to the finishing point. Along the road, there will be 10, 15 junctions. At each junction, having two or three roads with which you have to make a decision, God will teach you righteousness. There will be a word, an understanding, an instruction you will obey, and you will know the right thing to do. Like I gave as an example earlier, somebody, so people did not know it before, just walking, pushes money across and says, why are you giving me money? I just came to see you. We've not met before. 
I'll give you back your money. Tell me the reason why you are, you are discussing with me. That simple decision is leading you in the path of God. If you took that money, you miss your destiny. Ah, Pastor Bank, just one take. No, no, normally it's not one take. After that one take, you become a taker of such things. A new character has been developed in you, which is called taker of strange money. Gehazi spirit. So anytime you say, my spirit said, it's Gehazi that's talking to you. That's why I tell people when people say, my spirit, I say, forget it's your spirit. It depends on what your spirit was, been, was drinking. Hungry spirits also have, have a voice, you know that. When pastor comes to church, never chop. Wife tells and says, school is not tomorrow. Your shoes don't spoil, everything. Now I reach, you see everybody just shining, shining, shining. These are the been shining for the last five Sundays. I go bring our message. The Lord said, He that gives to a prophet for the sake of the entire preaching of prophetic gifts, how it's used to break through. Did you hear a spirit? Yes. What spirit was that? The hungry spirit. Is it right to give to a prophet? Yes. Is that why he preached it? No. He didn't preach because it was true. He preached because he was hungry. The Lord is good. So what am I trying to say? We make decisions that lead us into destiny as we resist temptation at each junction and obey the righteousness that God has taught us at those junctions. Whether God speaks to you or not, you will find yourself in the center of the will of God for your life. Let me end this by saying this, remind us of this. I just like, I've said it many times, I just want to say it one more time. Listen, you don't have all the time. You don't have all the time to change. You are still smoking cigarettes in the corner. Somebody wrote us one day, say, I smoke Igbo in the, alone. That I hide in my room and smoke Igbo. And the person is a woman. This didn't work. Shock, no go kill you in Jesus' name. <laughs> the way he's shocked when I tell him something. You, don't know, you think you are living in heaven. This world is a dangerous place, man. If you are listening to me, you don't have all the time. You have to stop. You have to stop. If you don't stop, you are going to go crazy. Maybe God should show you a vision of yourself walking naked, naked on the road. You will stop. You will see, you know you can stop that day. Why you never stop? You, say you, never, you, know, you never believe anything. What is going to happen? Nothing. That's what you are thinking. Well, how do you say something will happen? Eh? If I get me. Please don't let this young man confuse me. Is he telling the truth? If I get me. Yeah, if he's going to get me, I'm telling you the truth. <laughs> the Lord is good. Listen, you don't have all the time to change that bad behavior. God says, you have given me the excuse of, you know, the way Nigeria is long enough. For some people, you just have a few more chances and then that's it. I cap your prosperity permanently. There's a way God can cap your prosperity and say you will never have enough. The rest of your life, every time you'll be praying for everything. Say you don't have all the time. If I call you to do a job, start it now. I've given you five, six years waiting. That is not five years to start. Five years of waiting. You're supposed to start five years ago. As of today, you are still telling me that when your business is now settled, you'll now be able to go out on missions. You know that you have children. Are those children your own or my own? I thought about my life this morning. I just, I just give the Lord thanks again. One of the things God has taught me is how to manage life. You know what is manage life? How to make your life inexpensive. Let me not teach that one now. It's not, so if it's those children, tell the children, hey, everybody, come, 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 come. 
This expensive school, I'm not, I, I don't have time for it again. All of you, what I can pay for is that government school down the road. I will use old books. People will go there. Then me and you people sit down and walk at home. To be giving somebody half a million, it's not bad. I just don't have it. And I said, because it's not even that I make a prayer point. <laughs> Do you get my point? Come and say, hey, Pastor Bank, you need it. I said, no. I can need it and pray it into existence. But what, what if I just use that prayer to pray into I don't need it? I hope you're getting my point. Yes. What I'm trying to say, some of these stories you are giving us an excuse on why you can't do what the Lord wants you to do. You have to stop it too, because he doesn't hear these stories for it forever. The patience of God is great, but it's not, it, it, it has an end. It has an end. It has an end. Let's bow down our heads. I've said many things today. I started, I wanted to read that, occupy till I come, but then the Holy Spirit took over. Let's just give the Lord thanks. Just give thanks. Give the Lord thanks.